the Son, therefore, shall make you free. Ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 9th, 2012. And uh, today, again, covering kind of a variety of different uh, current event studies. Before we get into the main study, I saw, and I've seen a lot of this lately, where many, many ministries talking about the Gog-Magog war and how that's you know, could happen any moment. Now, I've done a whole study on this, and if you go up to contendingfortruth.com, <clears throat> contendingfortruth.com, and just key in like Gog, G-O-G, you'll find it. It's called the Gog-Magog War, the Thousand-Year Millennial Reign of Christ, the Abomination of Desolation, the Rebuilt Temple, the Image of the Beast, and the Seven-Year Tribulation Study. It's not an exhaustive study on the seven-year tribulation, but I really mainly did it to cover this whole Gog-Magog war because so many ministries out there are promoting this like it's going to happen any day. And the Bible is so clear that this does not happen until the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. There's another big thing that just came out today from a prominent ministry. And I just don't understand. Evidently, I guess the seminaries have taught this as doctrine, and it's so blatantly, obviously clear when this happens. Okay, and I'll just give you uh, a few verses here. And the, the study is an exhaustive study on that subject. I've never had anyone come back and say, oh, this is wrong. It, 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 it's not wrong. It's just what the Bible says. It's very clear when this happens. And in Revelation 27, and it says, and when the thousand years are expired, this is after the millennium, okay? When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Now, is Satan in his prison right now? No. Um, have we had a thousand years so far where Satan was in a prison? No. Okay. So, obviously this cannot be in regard to today. Okay. So, Revelation 27, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather themselves together to battle. This is the Gog-Magog battle. Okay? The number of whom is as the sand of the sea. So that will be at the end of the thousand year millennial reign of Christ. This will be when this happens. The Bible's very clear. And then it goes on to say, and they went out upon the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city, now this is Jerusalem, and I prove that, And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Now, if we go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, we prove that this is the exact same event, and this is the only other time in the Bible where Gog and Magog are mentioned. So, if we compare Scripture with Scripture, it's very clear this is at the end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ. So, if you see all this stuff about Gog and Magog, ignore it. It it will have no bearing on us in the time frame we're living in. Yes, it's interesting, and I'm talking about, but you don't want to use it as doctrine, thinking that, oh, I see Russia doing this, or I see whatever, and they're they're jockeying into position to fulfill the Gog-Magog war. That's not going to happen 
for you know at least another thousand and seven years bare minimum. Now I'm talking about the tribulation plus a thousand years. If the tribulation started tomorrow, which it's not, but I mean, you know, just saying it has to be at least a thousand and seven plus years away. So it's just not something you, you need to be concerning yourself with from the standpoint of some type of end time current event. We have enough stuff out there to confuse us and to think about and, and enough devices of Satan to throw monkey wrenches into our thinking process. This isn't another thing that we need to be, you know, we need to know about it from the standpoint of knowing from a biblical standpoint when it occurs, but keying on it constantly and thinking it's going to happen tomorrow is not where our mind needs to be. It's needless. We need to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, as the Bible says. And um, this is just rightly dividing the word of truth. I give you, it's a five-page PDF with that study, and it's all scripture. I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and it's almost totally scripture. It's five pages of just nothing but Bible to, to prove the points in the study. It's not controversial. It's just, you know, okay, what does the Bible say? That's all we're looking at here. So I just wanted to throw that in because I keep seeing more about Gog and Magog. And, man, I'll tell you, if if that's where your mindset's at, you're really going to get thrown off base real easy um, if that's what you're thinking is, is the next on the prophetic timetable. Okay, so... I wanted to just throw that in. Now, let's get into the main part of the study. Um, first article. Time Magazine's Joel Stein courted controversy du- during a radio interview this morning when he joked that the number of placards he had seen at the Republican National Convention by people protesting against abortion made him want to stage a beauty pageant for dead fetuses. And I have a little picture of this little worm uh, at the very uh, the first article here. It, the guy just looks like, I'm sorry, just looks like a worm. I mean, and I think that's being real nice to say something like that to such a person that would dare utter those words against helpless, innocent babies that were aborted in the womb. Uh, he's evidently some type of author. He's, I think his book is called Man Made by Joel Stein. Uh, America is turning into a culture that worships death. And people are so desensitized to it that they are losing all compassion and respect for humanity. Stein appeared as a guest on the Dudley and Bob Morning Show, which is broadcast on KLBJ 97.3 FM. Stein's comment occurs in the second hour of the September 6th interview at about the 31-minute mark. I'm going to play it in a little bit here. After raving about Bill Clinton's DNC speech and describing himself as far-left, I would say I'd agree with that, Stein was asked at the convention, in the convention, what he had seen, which would be considered the freakiest and the craziest stuff he had seen, okay, at the uh, conventions. He goes on to say, quote, the conservative protesters, all they do is read the Bible. I wish that was the case, but I don't think that is the case. Um, But he says all they do is read the Bible, all they do is read scripture and have giant, giant pictures of dead fetuses. They're dead babies, is what they are. They're not 
fetuses. See, that, that whole word fetus is the, is the um, buzzword, the Planned Parenthood crowd, the pro-death, pro-abortion crowd use in order to get you to think that it's not a viable human life. It's a fetus. It's a glob of, of fetal tissue. It's not human. And I, again, I've proven this over and over and over in the Bible how God feels about this. When he says to Jeremiah the prophet, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He knows us before we're even conceived. So how much more so once we're conceived? So, going further, <clears throat> he goes on to say, quote, I've seen so many bloody fetuses that I can literally tell good-looking fetuses from ugly fetuses. Stein added, much to the amusement of his hosts. They were laughing. You'll, you'll hear it. Stein then suggested that the dead fetuses should be entered into a beauty pageant. He said, quote, I, want, I wanted to walk around and pick a Miss Fetus, he remarked. Like, you know, all I can say is, may the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on every devil like this on planet Earth. Because as far as I'm concerned, they forfeited their right to live. I'm not saying advocating going out and committing violence against them. I will leave that to God. But if you're that far gone, if you're the, of that much of a reprobate mind, if your conscience has been seared with a hot iron to that degree, I really don't think there's any hope for someone like that. I think you, there's a point of no return that the Bible does talk about um, where, you know, I'm not saying God couldn't save the man. I pray that's the case. I really do. But obviously, narrow is the way which leadeth to life eternal, and few there be that find it. Well, a guy like this isn't exactly a prime candidate to somebody to get saved. If you're that evil, and you're, if your mind's that darkened to sin, where you would say things like this, and again, if you look in the Bible, the things in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, that always bring on God's most severest judgment are child sacrifice and when homosexuality takes over a nation. If you look in the Bible, it's clear. You look at Jeremiah 7, 11, and 14. Great examples. In those societies where child sacrifice becomes the norm, God will finally get to a point where he will say, do not pray for this people anymore. I will not hear your prayer. I won't hear it. And it's because you, you've gone so far, so into darkness, so reprobate, that God's like, I'm, I'm not going to hear your prayer anymore about this wicked, vile, evil people. I am going to destroy them. My judgment will rain down from heaven on them. Do not waste your breath. So I believe that this type of person would, would be the closest falling into that category as anybody I've ever seen. Anybody that would actually literally go on live air and joke about this stuff and laugh about it and think he's so cute. I would not want to be in his shoes um, at the judgment. Not saying I'm perfect. Not saying I don't deserve death and hell apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just being flat out honest. You know, it's scary that somebody could utter those words and, and be that flippant about a subject that you know God takes more seriously than I believe almost any other in the Bible. So, 
he goes on to say, one of the hosts responded to Stein's outburst by commenting, quote, you're going to get us into trouble. Stein was not the only public figure to crack a crude joke about abortion in the context of the Democratic National Convention. Actress Jenny Molin, and these are all hyperlinked, or linked, so if you want to see more about any individual story, there's links in the PDF for September 9th, 2012. Actress Jenny Molin was accused of making, quote, vow remarks after she tweeted, quote, Sorry, I missed the DNC. I was busy having a DNC. DNC is an acronym for dilation and cutterage, which is a gynecological procedure occasionally performed during abortions. So this is the type of quality of person you're dealing with, the Hollywood crowd. You know, the radical, liberal, I guess you would refer to them, left, that have nothing but utter disdain for the unborn, for God, as we're going to see for Israel, Jerusalem, um, which really these are the main platforms that that this DNC defined itself by. We're going to look at that. Now I'm going to go ahead and play this clip here just so you can get the full feel of, um, it's, it's pretty short, and listen to what these devils were saying. Uh, weirdos combined. In, in other words, the free- okay. This is the radio interview where they're interviewing this devil Stein guy. These these two reprobate um, radio hosts are interviewing this other devil reprobate, and this is what they this is their little exchange. Freakiest, craziest things you've heard. Well, are you counting protesters or have sure? Yeah, no, no, no. The freakiest, craziest stuff has been which convention? I, I would I would think it'd be the DNC because the DNC is letting the protesters be a little closer, aren't they? They are, but the, the, the Republican or the, the conservative protesters are, all they do is read the Bible. They only do two things. Like the, the, the liberal protesters just rant and chant. And I don't know what they're talking about. They don't make any sense at all. But the, um, the conservative ones, all they do is read scripture. Right. And have giant, giant pictures of bloody fetuses. Uh, I read, I actually read that online. Uh, they actually shed four years. Yeah. To see like giant post, giant posters of dead fetuses. I've seen so many bloody fetuses that I can literally tell good looking fetuses from other people. Uh. <laughs> I want, I want to. Man, I tell you, you gotta be really, really, really far gone, sick, demented, twisted, perverted. I, I mean, I can't even comprehend this. But this is this is America. This type of garbage is going on, you know, in radio interviews and the airwaves. And I mean, if they'll say this in 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 public on a public airwaves, imagine what they would say in private. You know? It's, it's, it's impossible to even comprehend this type of, of, of having your mind darkened. Uh, it's, it's unreal, but let's continue. I wanted to walk around and pick a Miss Fetus. Dude, you're getting us in, you're getting us in trouble. No, I don't. Great job. Uh, ah, that's no, the guy. The one guy says you're getting us in trouble. The other guy says, "No, you're doing a great job." Great. Well, what's on tap tonight? Are you gonna? How close will you be for the president's speech? Well, first of all, honestly, I, again, I've been to nine of these. Democrats logistically 
to not run a convention. No, idiotic. They just, you know, it's the whole. All right, that's the that's the end of the clip. Uh, it, it just uh, it, it almost leaves you speechless. Now, um, what does the Bible have to say about this? Because that's really, you know, what we need to concern ourselves with. If you're a born again Bible believing Christian, what is, in fact, what does Jesus Christ have to say about this specifically? So, if you go to Matthew 18. It starts out by saying in verse one, at the same time the disciples came, the, came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, "Verily I say unto you, except you be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven." Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that's how God views little children. And, you know, generally a little child is going, most of the time, unless they've been just brought up to be a devil, are going to exhibit, you know, humility. It's not something where, you know, I understand there are certain exceptions to the rule, but... Um, he uses children as an example of humbling yourself and the same as greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's why humility is so important in God's eyes. It's one of the few things biblically that any of us can do, true humility, not fake, but true humility that any of us can do that actually pleases God. Um, And whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. What would what? How must God must feel about abortion? Is that receiving a little child, going to the satanic abortion center, where literally these children are viewed as sacrifices to Satan or whatever deity they're representing? Because most of the vast majority, most of the time, these these people, these reprobates, owning or running or working at the clinics are occultists. I've proven that over and over. Again, from their own writings. Just did it last week in the study that we did. They view these as sacrifices to Satan or to Lilith or Chemosh or Moloch or Artemis. Depends on whatever deity they're worshiping. So whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. What if you destroy the little child? Well, that's the ultimate in rejecting Jesus Christ as well. It was like it would be like an example. It's sure not receiving the little child. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me? Would well, you think aborting them in the womb and destroying them and mutilating them before they're ever able to see the light of day? Do you think that would qualify as offending one of the little ones? I would say amply, yes. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he be were in that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. So that's what I would have to say to you, Mark Stein, and, and these, these radio commentators. If there would be one verse that I would pray God would show you in your head, it would be this that you would understand 
what a serious matter this is. You know, that it, if possible, if it be possible, God would hang these devils out over hell for maybe 20 minutes or an hour. Whatever it takes. Maybe if it's, if it's possible, they'd be saved. You know, to get their attention. Because they need to, people like this need, need, you need to get their attention. Now, I understand, if they're that far gone, there's probably, probably, you know, they're reprobate, they're evil. The Bible says the wicked go astray from the womb. They speak lies as soon as they be born. I would say they probably fall into that category. These are vessel, most likely vessels of wrath, fitted, meaning prepared ahead of time for God's destruction, like the Bible talks about in Hebrews. The Bible says God hath created all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Kind of hard to wrap your head around that, but it is a fact, and that's God's business. So the wicked will do wickedly. This is what we should expect from them. But we are to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness and to have no fellowship with them. To reprove means to be shed light on, to make it manifest. That's what we're doing here with this. So, then it goes on in verse 7, and again, this would really apply, I, I thought of this when I thought about these radio hosts and this Mark Stein guy. It says, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. See, this type of stuff happening, it's almost preordained. It must needs be that these offenses come. I mean, wasn't that offensive, hearing that? Well, this is what the Bible's talking about here. But woe to that man by whom the offense cometh, with an exclamation mark. Woe unto you, Mark Stein, and these radio commentators, Dudley and Bob Morning Show, or Joel Stein, I'm sorry, Joel Stein. Woe unto you, Joel Stein, and these, these radio commentators. Hell and the lake of fire is your future unless you repent and get saved. If we go to verse 10, it says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. Well, when you sit there and joke about a little baby that, that will never have a chance to, you know, play, live their lives, grow up, They'll never, they'll never have that opportunity, ever. You are despising them. When, when, you, when you joke about that, when you, when you, I mean, you joke about their horrific death in the womb, and you laugh about it like it's so funny. It wouldn't have been funny if it happened to you. I guarantee you that. When you were at your most vulnerable in life, which really, the womb of a mother is the most dangerous spot on planet Earth. Statistically speaking, there is no more dangerous of a place on planet Earth now because of the global abortion industry, which aborts... I mean, we always talk about America, 4,000 a day. What about global statistics? All that is innocent blood crying out from the land. Are, are, there, are their lives any less precious in God's sight? You know... There's millions and millions every year worldwide. And then not to mention what I had said before about the whole how many are aborted through contraception. The pill, the patch, the morning after pill. 
the contraceptives are abortifactive, meaning that you can have conception, but the lining of the uterus is not fit for implementation because of the pill or the patch or whatever these hormonal types of birth controls will work, can work in an abortifactive way. It's one of the ways they work. You know, all you have to do is read the, about them or read the inserts to know how they can potentially work. So you're potentially aborting babies just through using contraception in that particular way. Uh, all that, I, I believe, is, is you know the same thing in God's eyes. So, it says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that their, an- that their angels in heaven do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Well, I tell you, a- anybody that's pro-death, pro-abortion... How can you, I mean, these, all these people are despising these little ones. They're proudly despising them. Yet I guarantee you, they're happy their, their mothers didn't abort them. Would have been a different story. I mean, you ask, I mean, would, are, are you glad, I mean, are you glad your mother didn't abort you? I used to say that to my mom all the time about Taylor. Because she was rabidly pro-abortion. Gave money to Planned Parenthood. I think she stopped, though, toward the end. Because I said, hey, Mom, you know, you, you start to bring up the subject, the first thing I do is talk about Taylor, who she loved. You know, was this almost the center of her life. And when I would bring that subject up, I'm like, well, aren't you glad, Mom, I didn't abort Taylor? I didn't have, you know, my wife abort Taylor. And then she'd shut right up. <laughs> she didn't want to talk about that. <laughs> that was a way, but before Taylor was born, I couldn't have never won that argument. After Taylor was born, she could never win the argument. She just shut up and walked away. She didn't even want to do And I think she stopped, I'm pretty sure she stopped giving money to Planned Parenthood. I think she started to really clue in, you know, toward the end. Which, I really believe made it, got it to the point where I was able to lead her to the Lord because of that. Because I think that that had to, you know, that issue had to be dealt with with her. Because that, that's that's an issue that really, really hardens one's soul. I mean, you're giving money to Planned Parenthood, you're giving it straight to Satan's coffers. You know, you're just shoveling it in right to Satan's mouth. There's no there's no more wicked way place you could put money than Planned Parenthood. You know, pornography is one thing, the gay things another, but when you're talking about killing innocent babies in the womb that have no chance to defend themselves, and, and I first learned about this on, on an Alex Jones video, and he brought up a good point. He said, listen, what if I had a beauty pageant for dead, chopped up black people? Or dead, chopped up homosexuals. Or dead, chopped up white people. Whatever. There would be absolute pandemonium and public outcry and people would be going nuts. How dare you? And have a beauty pageant for them. And, and pick one as the most beautiful. Of the dead, chopped up, whatever race you pick. Or whatever, you know. Can you imagine what the gays would do? But it's okay 
It's funny when we do it with little innocent babies that were slaughtered from the womb. That's okay. That's all funny. That's We can joke about that all day long. But don't you dare do it with any of the, especially any of the other, you know, like the gays and those types of people. No, no, no. They have way more rights than we'll ever have. They have, you know, they can shove all that down our throat and we have to accept whatever they say is their mindset. But don't, you know, we can do it about little aborted babies all day long and it's no big deal. It's, it's funny. Well, you know, they'll laugh about it and these types of things. And the fact that those aborted babies that you see on those placards and on those pictures, the people that are holding them up are trying to tell their story. Why? Because they never had a chance to tell their story. When they were in the womb and the abortion doctor used his implements of death to kill them. They never had a, they never had a voice. They never were able to defend themselves. So now you have certain pro-life people that have those placards and they're trying to tell their story. Isn't it just? Isn't isn't that the least when it comes to fairness? It's not fair what was done to them. But they have every right to have their story told, more so than if it was gay, chopped up, dead people, or whatever. Way more. Their story should be heard. I, I'm just trying, I'm pointing this out I'm, to the dramatization, to point out the absolute, total, utter hypocrisy that this world has degenerated into. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. I really am am getting to the point where I'm just praying more and more for God's judgment on wickedness. Which is a big reason I did that teaching on Psalm 64. A Christian's door of hope. God's judgment on wickedness. If God doesn't judge wickedness in the Bible, biblically speaking... The wicked will always take over to the point where they will, where the righteous will be slaughtered and killed, and there will be none left. The only the ones that are left will be wicked. The Bible even alludes to that. You know, unless God didn't hadn't shortened things, there would be no, <laughs> there'd be no righteous people spared. If you allow Satan to take over and the wicked to proliferate. And the Bible says, in Psalm 12, verse 8, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Think about that verse, really good and hard. And then think about Obama. The most pro-abortion, radical, when he was in the senator and now as a president, ever on record, ever. I just got into that last week. Listen to it, we got into Obama's voting record on this subject, on abortion. There's no more pro-abortion senator ever on record. Probably no more pro-abortion person ever in any kind of political office than that devil that currently resides in the White House. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Vilest president we've ever had, I believe, by far. And what are you going to expect then? You've got these people out there. I was I was watching 
some of the... And now I understand both, both parties are totally infiltrated. Democrat, Republican, I understand that. But obviously the Democrats, what they represent from a morality standpoint. And, and these people that are there in these crowds and, and looking at their faces and looking how they reacted to you know these speeches and stuff and thinking how could you be so demonically blinded Honestly, I really believe they're probably just possessed or very close to it. How could you show your... How could you have a 2012 Obama sticker on your... I, I, I can't imagine the shame. They have no shame. All the wickedness this guy's done since he's been in office. And I'm not giving Bush a pass either. I, I exposed him, you know, just the same as I'm doing now with Obama. It's just Obama's taking it up several notches. The Illuminati, his handlers, have given him the green light to do a whole lot. He gets in turn for a, a second office, and <laughs> you think it's bad now. The gloves are really going to come off. He's not going to have to worry about getting in for another four years. So, uh, it's just almost incomprehensible how wicked it's getting. And then it goes on in the... Uh, well, I'll just read the last verse. Matthew 18.10 Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Now if we go to forward to verse 14, it says, Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So, in other words, obviously, God is pro-life. And this wickedness that takes place behind closed doors in these temples to Satan known as abortion clinics. And then you have these companies like we talked about last week, like Stericycle, enabling them. And they're the ones that incinerate the babies. And this, and you, you can imagine the this, this smoke going up to heaven being an absolute stench in God's nostrils, but almost like satanic incense, burning babies and incinerators behind closed doors. And not exposing any of this to public because it wouldn't be palatable if this was well-known mainstream news. It needs to be. It needs to be at the forefront of the thought process. Are there deaths? Are there, you know, deaths worth telling? Is the, you know, all these thousands of sacrificial victims literally to Satan in these abortion clinics, are there are there are there deaths worth us reporting on? Of course they are. And really, from a biblical standpoint, I guarantee you this is one of the main things that God is concerned about. If you look in the Bible, no doubt. Probably the main thing, probably the main reason why judgment is coming to not only America but the world. This one issue. It's all you'd have to have. You could take all the other sin issues and, and let's say it wasn't even a factor. I know it is a factor, but let's say it wasn't. This would be all it would take. If the blood of Abel, one man, who was a fully grown man, if that blood cried out from the ground to God and he heard it, how much more so billions of innocent babies that never had a chance, how much more so that? Oh, man, I can't even imagine the judgment that's coming. I can't even comprehend it. 
Let's go further. Next article. President Obama enjoys a massive lead over Mitt Romney among registered voters who say they have no religion, according to a Gallup tracking poll of the presidential race. In the three-week period that ended on September 3rd, according to Gallup, Romney, Obama led Romney 69% to 23% among those who have no religion. Now listen, I'm not endorsing Romney. Mr. Mormon, Mr. Uh, had the company that um, absorbed the other company that was uh, uh, doing all of the disposal of the medical waste of babies and then assimilated it into Stericycle, which is the one now that does all the um, incineration of the babies for all the Planned Parenthood and the other abortion clinics. And you could go on and on and on about Romney as well. Okay, so I'm not here to, like, (laughs) sit here and say, you know, you need to vote for Romney or whatever. Okay, I'm just pointing out facts here. But you look at what Obama represents. You, you, again, just look at what his voting record was on abortion. And how the wicked gravitate to Obama. I don't understand these people that say they go to churches and they would vote for Obama. I don't understand that. The guy's the most rabid pro-abortion, pro-homosexual, you know, president ever on record. And there's whole swaths of people that will call themselves born-again Christians that will vote for him no matter what. It's like, wow, you have really got to have blinded yourself to, in such a huge way, I can't even comprehend it, to justify supporting this incredibly malevolent, evil person. But there are. There's, there's millions. Unbelievable. Since Gallup started publishing demographic breakouts of its tracking poll on May 6th, Obama has always held a large lead among registered voters who say they have no religion. Now, I've said this in the past. Religion is the main thing that will get most people into hell. Most religions false. You know? You could be Buddhist, whatever, Hindu, Taoism. Religion is the main reason, what the main excuse that people will end up going, end up going to hell. I understand it's the re- rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ and them not getting saved. But religion is the main tool on planet Earth that Satan uses in order to make that whole process of them not getting saved happen. It's works-based. There's only two religions on the planet, I guess, if you even want to call the other religion. Born again, Bible-believing Christianity, no denominational label. What does the Word of God say? Very clear. And if you don't know what that is, as far as how to get saved, salvation, go to contendingfortruth.com, click on the Salvation tab, and listen to those teachings in order. The first one's exclusively dealing with salvation, then we get into baptism, and then overcoming the process of a Christian overcoming and bearing the cross of Christ. The progression there. And then there's the other isms, Mormonism, Jehovah, Witness, you know, Catholicism, Hinduism, Buddhism, all the other religions, which are all works-based, and every one of those can be lumped into the same category. What do I do in order to get to where I'm trying to go? Whether you call it Nirvana, Paradise, you know, Muslim... 
you want the best spot? Oh, okay, blow up as many Jews and Christians as possible, and you'll secure your spot with the 72 virgins and the white-skinned boys in paradise with Allah. Whatever your warped, you know, in that particular case, very warped motivation is, this, this is how they believe they get to wherever they're trying to go. But it's works-based. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Yes, works will follow. Obviously. You can show someone your faith by their works, but you cannot put the cart before the horse. You can't think I'm earning my way into heaven like a Catholic does, keeping the seven sacraments and doing this and doing that, and I'm earning my way to heaven. So there is a biblical balance there. So anyway, he's grown his lead on people that have no religion. Well, that wouldn't surprise me. See, with Obama, we're getting, America collectively is getting what it's asked for and what it deserves. God, the the judgment that's coming from God, we deserve it in America. I'm not saying like my individual listeners and and the remnant and the born-again Christians, you know, necessarily. I'm saying that collectively speaking, the judgment that's coming, we've, America's collectively asked for it. Obviously, there's exceptions to the rules, to the rule there. But they've asked for a wicked leader. They've, they've, they've asked for God's judgment, essentially. Next article, the Democratic Party symbol, symbolic dismissal of God with the removal and forced return of his name to its platform by party officials amid boos from delegates could be the turning point in the 2012 presidential campaign, said radio host Michael Savage. Now, I'm not endorsing Michael Savage, okay, but I thought there were some points that were brought up here that were noteworthy, okay. At the Democratic National Convention in Charlotte today, the Associated Press noted Democratic officials were embarrassed by the reaction to the party's removal from its platform yesterday of God's name and a declaration that Jerusalem is Israel's capital. When officials tried to reinsert the language today through amendments, in other words, they, they, they took all reference to God out and they took the reference to Jerusalem being Israel's capital. Out, okay? That was a very important thing for the Democrats to key on. Removal of God, removal of Jerusalem as the capital, and also the other main thing would be the a right to a, and I've, I heard this language specifically used by one of the, I think one of the senators speaking, a right to a woman's um, abortion care, is how she referred to it as. That exact phrase, abortion care. When a woman's life is is threatened by that terrible baby inside her, she needs to have that critical abortion care access to get rid of that baby, so it doesn't it doesn't uh threaten the mother's life, which. If you think about that, that is like an infinitesimal amount of, of pregnancies. They want to act like it's every other pregnancy. You know, that, that baby's just going to, you know, kill the mother. They'll, they'll use any excuse on the planet in order to try to abort little helpless babies, is the point here. The facts are not on their sides. 
the facts are absolutely totally against them. So, when officials tried to reinsert the language today through amendments, Chairman Antonio Villagorosa, the mayor of Los Angeles, had to call for a voice vote three times because the outcome was unclear. The motion required an affirmation. Now, this is, they're trying to put the, the, the whole, they're trying to put God and Jerusalem as capital back into the platform. They're trying to put it back in. So, they tried to call a voice, voice vote because they were so mortified, I guess, or, or, or they knew they had really messed up when they took it out. They knew that they were going to have some backlash, even in the Democratic National Party. And not only that, but the Republican, Republicans could use this against them in their campaigning. Saying, look at this godless party. They removed God. They removed Jerusalem as the capital of of Israel, and so the Democrats backpedal and said, "No, no, no we got to put it back in." So let's take a vote, a vote, a vote, orally, from all the people that are in the the DNC convention. But they had to do it three times because if you listen to the footage, I listened to it. He calls, and and they have to have a two thirds majority to pass it. But back to the article, it says it sounds like the yeas and the nays were equal. The nays might have even been louder. I don't know. It sure wasn't a two-third majority. Okay? In other words, you have at least half, if not more, of the people there vehemently saying, no, we do not want God, God's name mentioned in the DNC platform, and we definitely do not want Jerusalem as Israel's capital mentioned either, either because it's not. Now, who on planet Earth is that a big deal for? Oh, the Muslims? Imagine that. They will not acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel because they will not acknowledge Jerusalem or Israel as a nation state, period. They view them as dogs that all need to be killed and driven into the sea. And this is out of their own mouth. And that is their goal. And they will not stop until that is either accomplished or until they are all annihilated themselves. They will die trying, in other words. The Muslims... The ones in power, the ones that are more in, in, in increasingly in control. Thanks to the American government going in there and toppling all of these different regimes in the Middle East and inserting their own radical Muslim dictators. All by design. The war in the Middle East is inevitable. It will be World War III, and it's, it's the linchpin for really World War III and then the tribulation starting. I believe that. I've reported on that many times. It will be the linchpin for this. So it sounded like the yeas and the nays were equal when he took this oral vote. When he ruled that the amendments had been approved by acclamation, he was met with a chorus of boos from delegates. So in other words, he had to do this three times. It's really a joke if, if you hear it or watch it because the guy's trying so hard to get a two-third majority where he can say, yes, okay, we're going to insert God and Jerusalem's capital back into the DNC platform. He can't get it. And when he finds, at the end, in the third one, which sounded like there was more boos to me, or more no, or nays, than there, it sounded louder, he just goes ahead and says, okay, we've got our two-third majority. It's, it's such a joke. He's trying desperately to get this, but he can't. 
So he just he basically goes and fudges the numbers and says, "Okay, we've got our we've got our two thirds majority." And then when he does that, then he's met with a chorus of boos from the delegates who had voted nay. Isn't it amazing that the three main points that they seem to be keen on in this particular DNC platform is removing God, any any mention of God out of anything. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed. It also says that. Well, when you despise the word of God, you despise God. He's the God of the Word. The King James Bible in the English-speaking language. The fool has said in his heart there is no God. They'll say, take away this Holy One of Israel, this Jesus. Take away. We don't want to have any mention of God. We want our ears tickled. We don't want to think about that. You'll think about it plenty when you plunge into hell and then get thrown in a lake of fire at the great white throne judgment. You'll be thinking about it real a lot then. I pray that their souls be saved. But the fact remains is most of them are not going to be. And I'm not saying that because I think, again, I think I'm superior or morally better or whatever. Well, hopefully, yes, I'm morally better. (laughs) But, I mean, these people are some serious, serious reprobates here. They've got no conscience. Their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. They have been turned over a reprobate mind. And I'm not saying God couldn't save any of them, but I'll tell you, when you get to that point, uh, you're pretty far gone. But the, the three main things they're so concerned about here is taking God out of the DNC platform. Jerusalem. Why would, why would they be so concerned about Jerusalem as being capital of Israel? Because they are of their father, the devil, and of his lust, and of his works, they will do. What is Satan concerned about? These very same three things. Removal of God from society. Satan's obviously very concerned about Jerusalem being the capital of Israel. Why do you think that he has all of his minions? Now, I'm not saying that means Israel is puritanical and that they're perfect and that they're like John Hagee where he believes that you know they're saved by the blood that runs through their veins and that Israel can do no wrong. I've reported on that before. I try to have a biblical balance when it comes to this subject. Two-thirds of the Jews, according to Zechariah, are going to be killed. But one-third will be tried as silver, as tried, and they will be brought through the fire, they will, their dross, which is the waste product of silver when it's heated, will be burned off, and they will finally look upon the one whom they have pierced collectively as a nation, and in that day all of Israel will be saved. But it will not even come until the end of the tribulation, essentially, and around that time frame. I've done studies on this over and over, biblically speaking. But one third of Israel will be saved in the end. Their eyes are still blinded for the most part. Not all, but for the most part. Blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentile come in. But we are supposed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and, you know, bless Jerusalem and Israel and pray that their eyes be opened and that they be saved. We're not supposed to despise Israel. I don't know. God's just given me a love for Israel. And I'm not going to make apologies for it. 
And I've had so many people, you know, oh, you know, they're they're not even Jews there. They're this and oh, come on. Then what is God going to do? Is he going to finally show us who the real Jews are? Is that is that the British Israeli crowd or the Black Hebrew Israelite root crowd or the Christian identity crowd or the Aryan Nazi crowd? When's God going to finally... You're telling me all the stuff how he brought them back into the land and how, how he's prepositioned them in their homeland after they had been in exile for all these thousands of years. But that's not really them. That's not really the Jews. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. That really makes perfect sense to me. God's going to annihilate the people there right now and he's going to put the real Jews in there real soon, right? I mean, what, what other option is there? Everything's working out perfectly biblically right now with the Jews that are in the land where they're at. And you're telling me he's going to reinsert some other race in there? And all these ones are imposters? It doesn't make any sense. From a biblical standpoint. And how they're surrounded on every side. How they're hated by all all nations essentially right now. We're going to probably... America's going to be turning against them. Obama's a closet Muslim. We're already... All the things that are supposed to happen to the Jews are happening. And isn't it amazing that you have the most satanic political platform, which would be the current 2012 Democratic National Convention. You have the most satanic political platform in the history of humanity. And what are they concerned about? What are the three things they're most concerned about? Taking God out of every vestige of anything that they represent. Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, making sure that that doesn't even... I mean, and that's totally a Muslim platform. They might as well just have Yasser Arafat or Ahmadinejad. Bring Yasser Arafat from the dead or, or something and have him speak. What did he say? What is our goal? Total annihilation of Israel. They sure believe they're Jews. The Muslims do. Total annihilation of Israel and to drive every man and woman into the sea. That's our only, that's our final solution. Like Hitler had his final solution. That's their only option. There is no other recourse for them. They'll placate them all day long. Oh yeah, 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 sure. We'll, we'll, we'll make peace with you. We'll do this. Just give us some more land or give us this. We'll, we'll move our rockets in a little closer and reward you for that. And launch rockets at you day and night. And it, oh, but if you retaliate against us, oh boy, you're going to hear it. We're going to use little children as human shields and, and blame it on the Jews when they try to defend themselves. They're such cowards. And they act like they're so morally upright when they do all these perverted and warped things in their own religion, like taking child brides and, and consummating the marriages. I mean, Muhammad did it at the age of nine with Aisha. And that's their, that's their main guy, a pedophile. The main guy they follow consummated the marriage with Aisha at the age of nine. Married her when she was six. Oh, that's not too perverted and twisted and warped. And these Muslims follow this pedophile and act like they're so morally superior? Doesn't make any sense. The dancing boys of Afghanistan, how they like their their little uh, white-skinned boys that they go and they covet and they have their own little sexual boy slaves. I mean, that's some really sick stuff. That's Islam. I've pointed this out, documented it. If you don't believe it, key in the word Islam or Muslim in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. 
it is the height of hypocrisy. But isn't it amazing that this, these three things, which Satan is most concerned about, and Satan obviously is most represented through the Democratic National Platform, more, more, most overtly, and again, I'm not, again, no blanket rubber stamping on Republican. I understand both sides of the coin are controlled by the Illuminati. Okay, I understand that. But obviously, from a morality standpoint, what the Democratic platform stands for and what now they're obviously most concerned about just so happens to be removal of any vestige of God from their platform. The fact that they cannot acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, which puts them right in the same boat as the Muslims, because that's all the Muslims care about, that annihilation of Israel. And then the abortion platform. There, a woman's right to abortion care. The three most wicked things, just about, they could be from a satanic standpoint, that Satan would be concerned about, just so happens to be the Democratic National Convention's three main pillars. I just thought that was interesting. I just wanted to really point that out. So, if we go further, the scene at the DNC today was in sharp contrast to Michael Savage's experience last night at a Jewish wedding held in San Francisco Bay, next to San Francisco Bay. The site of the wedding was next to the graves of thousands of war dead. Savage said that as he stood behind the area where the ceremony took place, he noticed a small bronze plaque in the ground that read, quote, in memory of all those who died on D-Day. D-Day, where our troops went, primarily our troops, but there was also English and some obviously Canadian and other troops, but as primarily American invasion force, we invaded France after Nazi Germany had taken France over. And we, we came ashore there on Utah Beach and Omaha Beach, and there was one other one. And we lost, I mean, particularly in Omaha, they should have never invaded there, but anyway, they got just shot to pieces at Omaha Beach. Um, we lost thousands just that one day. He said, Michael Savage, I looked up and said to the rabbi, do you realize that if it wasn't for these men who died on D-Day, none of us would be here today. We'd all be lampshades. We'd all be dead. You know what that means? The Nazi prison camps, one of the things, one of the really sick, perverted things they did is they would literally make lampshades out of the skin of the prison victims. I mean, every debauched, evil thing you could think to do to a human being, they did it in these Nazi prison camps. And then you have the Holocaust deniers, which I really love that. All of this plethora of archived footage, thousands and thousands and thousands of eyewitnesses that went into the camps, that saw the... I mean, the gigantic graves, the, the stacked up dead bodies, all the start, all, all of that was just a big exaggeration. It never happened. You know who else says that? Ahmadinejad and most hardcore radical Muslims. Oh, it was all, it was all a lie. But the, the crazy thing is, is they deny it, but that's their goal. That's their stated goal. Annihilation of the Jews and the great Satan America. <laughs> you know, that's what they want, but they deny it ever happened. You can't have your cake and eat it too. I'm trying to make this real clear to you. 
and hopefully I've done this through many of the teachings that I've done, it is that crystal clear. The lines in the sand are that clearly drawn. It's not a gray area. They've made my job very easy because of their own actions. But he says, do you realize that if it wasn't for these men who died on D-Day, none of us would be here today. We'd all be lampshades. We'd all be dead. Now, if they had descendants that were in, and there were, obviously, you know, millions of Jews killed, the ones that lived, if they were the direct descendants of, of them, they would not be there, obviously. I mean, if they would have, if, if Nazi Germany would have kept doing what it was doing, in other words... Well, where, what, would that have, what would that have meant for the Jews? Total, eventual, total annihilation of that whole, uh, of every Jew that they have there. And instead of be, it being 6 million, and who knows if that's even an accurate estimation, it could be a lot more. It might have been, I don't know, let's just say double it, I don't know. All of those Jews that went on to have children they would have not had children because they would have been dead. You understand the point he's making here? Those men that went ashore on D-Day and, you know, died and risked their lives and penetrated into France and then into, you know, these other places, Belgium, finally getting into Germany... And ended up finally getting to the point where they started getting to these concentration camps. What if that would have never been done, is the point they're trying to make here. The Jews and, and, and the Gypsies and, and, the, and, the, and the Poles and the other people in the concentration camps from the other races would have all been annihilated. They were all considered inferior stock to the Aryan fifth root race. We're going to talk about that more today as well. But the sickness of the um, Nazi elite. I mean, I understand God could have intervened, but this is the way it worked. And I'm, I'm going to say this is the way God did intervene. Because you can't view those, those troops coming in and liberating these prison camps as something evil. These people, these poor people in there were starving and dying and many millions had died and they were being tortured and starved. And I mean, liberating them was a righteous act, was a good thing. The Nazis were all about killing and annihilating every one of them and they would have done that had they had the time to do it. So every day, you think of, of every day that went by, how many more people were killed in the camps? How many more people died? A lot of them of just disease because they were starved and the diseases went through these camps and they obviously their immune systems were weakened. But had they arrived a month later, how many more people would have died? I guess is the point I'm trying to make here. Is the point that I think... This quote says, do you realize that if it wasn't for these men who died on D-Day, none of us would be here today. We'd all be lampshades. We'd be dead. Not only that, but then the, the, when they went in and liberated France, how many people would have died in France under the Nazi occupation? You know? Then it goes on to say, 
the rabbi then grabbed my hands and we danced around the memorial stone, this memorial stone for these, these D-Day men. Uh, soon five more men joined in and then ten. They were, they were thankful. They were thankful for these men who had risked and given their lives on D-Day and then obviously the subsequent days after that because had they not come, had not God intervened in some particular way, they would have all been annihilated. Evidently, most of these men might have never been born because their descendants would have been killed. I, I just thought it was that was worth mentioning. I really did. I read that. I'm like, wow. That is an amazing uh, thought. And I, I thought it was definitely a, 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 something that we needed to mention when I read that. And it ties into what we're talking about today, obviously. And it says, and again, the, the whole thing about you know Jerusalem not being acknowledged as the capital of Israel. This hatred of the Jewish races. I understand, yes, in the Illuminati you can look at, okay, the wicked Zionists at the very top of the food chain in the Illuminati, the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. Okay, yes, I understand. I acknowledge that. Does that mean we throw the whole baby out with the bathwater regarding Israel? Oh, they're all wicked and corrupt. They're all a bunch of Zionist devils. We, you know, God's done with the Jews. and all. No, he's not. <laughs> Just read the Bible. I've, I've, I've did teachings in the past weeks that totally unequivocally prove God is not done with the Jews or Israel. These people that want to insert themselves into that equation says, no, no, well, no, I'm, um, you know, I'm a literal, literal tribe of whatever. I understand we're grafted into the wild olive plant according to Romans 11. Yes, and that original olive plant was Israel. Yes, but we're not supposed to boast against the, the, the natural branches, which is Israel. And I believe when you do that, you're boasting against the natural branches. We're the wild olive tree that's grafted in as, as Gentiles, or my listeners that are Gentiles, which I'm sure most of us are. But we're not supposed, against, not supposed to boast against the natural branches, which is Israel. And I see a lot of these movements now, like British Israelism, Christian identity, uh, all of the, the, these, these movements, black Hebrew Israelites, and I, I know I'm not mentioning a whole bunch of others that I'm missing, but that's what they do. Oh no, we're that now. <laughs> okay, so when you look at Revelation 7 and 14 where it says the literal 12 tribes by name, Jewish male virgins, we're that. How do you make that? Well, it really doesn't mean that. That's why, you know, you got to be real careful what man or minister or pastor or whatever you're following. Don't, don't, don't trust a man. Trust the word of God. What it plainly states if you're believing in some cult doctrine, you need to look at that and say, listen, if I just had a Bible, and I was just in a room, and I just prayed to God, to the Holy Spirit, to show me what the truth is, would I have ever come to that conclusion on my own? Or did I have to have some man or some woman give me this theology, spoon-feed it to me, so that now I'm totally brainwashed into some way of thinking? And don't think demons aren't involved with that either. I get into more and more arguments about these subjects now, more and more. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna change. I'm not gonna shift. I'm not gonna be moved from this. I won't do it, and I'm not gonna apologize for it either. They can keep attacking me all they want. I really don't care. It's irrelevant. My life's not a popularity contest. I will keep defending these points as I see are clearly biblical. 
And if I have to die for it, so be it. Absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I want to fear man. The fear of man is bringeth a snare. Fear God. I tell people, when we get into these types of... Just don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. I'm not forcing you to do anything. You don't, you're not forced to listen to me every week. I'm not saying that against my listeners in any way, shape, or form. Just a very few selected people that I deal with. Hey, that's what you're going to deal with in the end times. Persecution. Dealing with this stuff. But the Bible says to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints in Jude. We're supposed, we're, that's what we're supposed to do. So, do you realize that if it wasn't for these men who died on D-Day, none of us would be here today. We'd all be lampshades. We'd all be dead. And then they, they grabbed hands, danced around the memorial stone. Five more joining, then ten. And then it, goes, it ends by saying, that brings us to today. The events of the Democratic National Convention, Savage said, can you imagine a nation founded on the principles of God is being taken over by a party that despises God? Now, in defense of that, Go to the internet and key in the faith of our founding fathers. Okay, I believe it was Chris Pinto or one of those guys who did a study on that. Okay, because that's not, <laughs> I'm not endorsing that either, that they were all these godly bastions of humanity. Okay, as far as our founding fathers go, that's been amply proved that that's actually not the case. Okay, the faith of our founding fathers. And I've never had anybody refute that either. It's just documentation. I did a whole study on George Washington, high-level Freemason. You know, we get we get little snippets of, oh, well, he was this and he was that. Yeah, well, what about the other stuff? What about the other stuff that was documented? Let's look at the full picture here, okay? But anyway, I just wanted to preface that. Faith of our founding fathers on, just go up to YouTube, you'll find it. Can you imagine a nation founded on the principles of God as being taken over by a party that despises God, denies God's existence, and wants to stab Israel in the back in order to support the Islamists who would kill the Jews and drive them out of the Middle East? And isn't that amazing that the Democratic National Convention platform is so concerned with those three things, aborting little innocent babies making sure that, that, that Israel is driven off its land and essentially annihilated because that's the Muslim platform, denying its right to exist, denying is, uh, Jerusalem as its capital, and taking God ever out of anything, any vestige of anything democratic. Isn't that interesting? Hey, they are of the father of the devil and of his works they will do and of his lusts they will do. It's that clear. I like it because it's clear. I like it when things become this crystal clear. It makes my job very easy to point out the hypocrisy of what's going on. I have to end part one here. We'll go to part two next. God bless you. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H.com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, n- number 202, 3rd Line, 
Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.